Miller 825 says, solid content, great conversationalist with guests that matter. Very informative content from brand managers and folks that are on the cutting edge of the marketing world. Adam is a great listener, which makes it easy for the listener, I assume he's talking about himself, to actually get the most from the guest. Well, thank you, L. Miller. And if you, the listener, like this and want to leave your own review on Apple Podcasts, I'll read it right here at the top of the show. All right, let's get on with it. You know, kind of like Junior here, I also think brands not following their consumers through their lives is funny. So does the founder I've brought in to help me raise today's authentic avenue. Lalo, a brand that truly promises to be there with families every step of the way. Meet Greg Davidson, their co-founder and CEO. And when he says every step, he means it right from the first one. His company, whose name is an acronym for Love All Little Ones, developed their product lineup to quite literally follow their end user from infancy onward. Today, I learn more about the other ways in which Greg stays close to his consumer. So swaddle yourself and enjoy as I get real with Lalo and Greg Davidson. This one today is going to go out to my boy Seamus, who just texted me a picture this morning of his first child that has just been born. So Seamus, if you're listening to this, congrats to you. And I've got the perfect guy to talk to today, somebody with a young one of his own and somebody who has founded a brand that you might want to use. This, of course, is not just for Seamus, it's for all of our listeners. I'm here with Greg Davidson from Lalo. How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Doing very well and glad that I can get this chance to talk with you. And while I'm not a parent yet, I think it's a pretty interesting thing that you've done here for a couple of reasons. I'll get to those in a second. Can you first, for me and for those listening in, describe the founding story and what you do? Sure. Uh, So we founded Lalo about three years ago. Uh, We actually just launched this March 2019 but it was really founded underneath the thesis of how do you enable better parents so they can spend less time shopping just to be parents. And this came out of the experience of my co-founder and I, who at the time of this kind of epiphany, you know, we didn't have kids, but we were watching our friends and family go through this experience of shopping for this stuff. And when I say stuff, I just say stuff because there's just so many different things that until you get up to that point of almost becoming a parent, You've never heard of it, right? So you've never heard of the products. You don't know what they do. You don't know what the brand, you don't know what, what brands exist. And you never heard of them. And I think because of that, right, you're not sure how much you should spend, right? So what has ended up happening is this huge disparity in the market amongst brands. So you have really premium brands who, for all intents and purposes, make great product, but really represent more of a cachet or a keeping up with the Joneses than a brand that actually means something to people. And on, on the lower end, right, you have brands that maybe you actually have heard of, right? So Fisher Price, Great Go, maybe Chico. And these are brands that, yes, make really affordable, good products, but the brand doesn't actually stand for something. And then what we realized, right, was that parenting is one of the most common threads amongst humanity, right? So it doesn't matter how rich you are, how poor you are, um, where you're from. There is this commonality amongst individuals that everyone goes through. It's an experience. You're vulnerable. You're scared. And what we found, there was no brands that were talking 
directly to our customer in a real way. And we're providing products that weren't necessarily saying, hey, we're the most expensive or hey, we're the least expensive, but a brand saying we're able to provide as much value through our products and our brands as possible. Uh, and so we founded Lalo. And with the goal of like actually following them through their journey and delivering products at those critical milestones that both the parent as well as the child are getting older. Interesting. I'm thinking back to when I was a kid and what I remember are those brand names that I would immediately jump to if I were having a kid tomorrow. Oh, I had Fisher-Price stuff. I had the Little Tykes Step 2 chairs. I, this, I remember being in a stroller that was Graco, I'm pretty sure. Um, but you're also right in that I would just be beholden to, okay, well, I guess whatever they say it costs, that's just what it is. And that's just like, the, that's just the cost of doing business in a weird way. Um, but uh, good to know that you're that you're out there uh, bringing more education to the forefront. I think that's good. Um, and through that, perhaps that's a pillar of authenticity for you. I'm not exactly sure, but I do this towards the top. How would you define that word, by the way, Greg? I think it's just being as real as possible with your consumer, understanding what they're going through, not necessarily sugarcoating it or I think in the baby land, right, the marketing that we typically saw was, hey, we're a really good looking, maybe tattooed couple rolling down the cobble street, cobblestone streets in Brooklyn. And our baby's happy as can be. When really that's not necessarily what it's about, right? It's about it's about the good, it's about the bad, it's about the fun, and it's about those not so fun moments as well. And being able to talk about those moments, have fun in those moments, and I think celebrate those moments with our customer is what makes us authentic. And I think is, you know, what most brands should be striving for as they think about how do we authentically connect to our customer. So explain this to me, because what I hear a lot of times when people talk about being authentic or getting close to your customers, learn more about them, of course, ask questions. What are they going through? What do they look like? Um, What do they like? But then also I've heard these things, get as close as possible to to where they are. Follow them as tightly as you can. Now, most of the time for me, that rings a little bit like hollow where, well, I mean, if you're like a clothing brand, like, sure. I mean, you could be on social pages that I like that are in the athletic space or if you're an outdoors, fine. But can you tell me about something I think is really unique with you guys is you literally following the lives of the children who you are making products for through the lens of the parent. I think this is a really interesting thing. I haven't heard of this many other places and you have products to back it up, but I want to hear about that journey because it's really cool. Yeah. So, you know, what we knew out of the gate was there was sort of this like massive miss, this lack of education, I should say, around what products do I need as a parent? And of course, when do I need them, right? I think there, there's become the registry culture, which, you know, similar to weddings, you go through this in baby, where you just go and you just put a bunch of stuff on it. But within baby, you actually don't need everything right away, right? So for instance, our first product we came out with was a stroller, because it's one of the first things people are buying out of the gate. Uh, it's one of the things that's closest to home, it's a little bit more expensive. So something, so it's something that you know, the new grandparents, quote unquote, might buy for them or the parents, the new parents themselves might buy. Um, but it's that first, first, first thing if people get really excited about it. But we knew, right, as we looked at other items that we didn't need to just say, hey, you need to get this all now. We said, how can we smartly, while educating our customer, actually help inform people about what products they need and when do they need it? 
So what we did was starting on the stroller, we collected the birthday and due date uh, at the time of checkout. And actually it served us two functions. Number one, as you mentioned, to help us actually build out those products over the course of the milestone, but to also deliver it to them. So we were using that due date and actually helping recommend when you should get that product delivered to you. So four months after we launched, we launched with our stroller first. Our second product was our high chair. A high chair you typically don't need until your child is around the earliest, really five months old, maybe four months old. If your child is super, super advanced, their head strength is there. And we actually were helping people understand like, hey, even if you're buying this now, we'll, we'll deliver to you later, right? A lot of our customers, they might live in you know, tight spaces. They might be in apartments in New York. They might be in houses where they just don't want clutter. So we said, hey, this is actually based on your due date when you should get it. And if you'd like, we deliver it to you at that time. So it's like, so it's like a complete concierge, something like a concierge type service, which is, I would think, and again, coming from not being a parent, kind of nice. I mean, just one less thing to have to worry about, right? Because I would think that, you know, your time is spent doing a ton of different stuff, especially right now, those who are raising kids and working and living all in the same place, probably tearing your hair out. Uh, Wouldn't it be nice to not have to worry about, oh God, then I got to go out and I got to buy the chair. God, honey, can you remind me to buy the chair? Well, you don't have to remember to buy the chair here because uh, they've done it through you. Exactly. Or, you know, using that data that we have, we can just help educate and help people understand like, hey, did you even get this product yet? Do you need this? You know, we have been super, super transparent and real with our customer the entire way. Our stroller that we built is a full size stroller, right? So what a full size stroller means, it's a little bit more rugged, it's a little bit durable, but it's also heavy, right? So, you know, if you lived in an apartment and you live 10 flights up the stairs, Honestly, like as much as I would love for you to get it, you know, it might not be the right fit for you. And I think people on that authentic level, we've also we've always strived to truly understand who that customer is, understand what their use case is. What are you using it for? How are you going to use it? How old is your child? All these different things so that even if it's not that first thing they're buying, it is it can be that second or that third item um, down the line as we roll out more and more SKUs. Got it. And so in, t- in talking about rolling out more and more SKUs, I mean, was this something that naturally came up as you built that initial base of stroller users and high chair buyers? I mean, were they coming to you with like, hey, do you have a whatever it is, the next thing? I mean, has that really involved it or has your experience as a relatively new father also influenced the, the product lineup? Well, I wish I can say my experience as a father has influenced it the entire time, but really it's only been five months, which now I'm like crazed about everything that much more. Um, right. But from, from honestly, from the really onset, we knew we didn't want to launch and just say, hey, this is this next DTC stroller company, right? We wanted to celebrate ourselves. This is like, this is the modern parents baby brand. Um, so we knew we were going to come out with multiple SKUs. We knew we wanted to follow children across the milestones, which is why very purposely stroller was first, high chair was second, feeding's a big category. And it's kind of like that next really exciting moment where like your kids starting to sit up and come alive and they're sitting in a high chair. We wanted to be there for that moment. And which is why now, as you look at our third product, so our high chair turns into a play chair, which is you know, best example I can give is if you went into a kindergarten classroom, you saw all those like little chairs and tables on the ground. Um, we 
our high chair turned into one of those play chairs. So we actually just recently launched in June our play chair and play table set, um, which is now play and really a child who's, you know, could be nine or 10 months. That's the earliest they're going to start to use it. So we've covered these like three huge critical moments, which is like getting outside, feeding and playing. And it's all been you know, over the course of this really smooth milestone. So, you know, we're looking to fill out them, you know, go further down those milestones even more. We're also looking to fill in any gaps that we feel like there there may be. Um, but, uh, but yeah. So you've probably now then had a bunch of stories of very thankful parents who've had to go through this. Is that another, uh, is that another pillar of authenticity to you as being as responsive as possible and assuming that it is? What are some of the best stories that you've heard coming out of it? Because I can only imagine that raising a child, whether it be your first or your hundredth, no, that would never happen, but you get the idea, um, yeah. are, are very um, very happy at seeing something getting taken off their plate. I'm curious totally. if you've seen that manifest. Yes, I mean, for sure. I mean, there, there's things that are, that are large and things that are really small. So, you know, things that are large are, you know, from day one, we had a showroom that was, it was based in Soho, New York. Uh, we actually recently closed the showroom during COVID. Um, but there were people who could come all the time. And we knew how critical, you know, exploring the stroller would be, testing it out. So from day one, this is way before COVID, we were offering Zoom demos. So we were actually doing it over FaceTime, not even Zoom. Um, so we literally have, would have a button on side, like, hey, if you want like a virtual demo, you can try it out. And we were demoing with people in Hawaii, we were taking outside in the street, like we were doing those little things that gave people such an elevated experience of our product. And you know, what our goal was to have them almost feel like they were in the showroom. So even simple things like recently during COVID, we launched something called the Tot Line, uh, which we're super excited about, right? And it's not for, for us to, you know, solve like necessarily the big problems. But if you need help, you need something to do with your kids, you can text the Tot Line, it will help you. So like one story, I love when my co-founder was actually on it um, was that oh, someone texted us and just like, I just need help making lunch for my kids. And you know what our response is? What's in your fridge? Like, let's, let's do it. So it's like those like little things I think are so critical where it's like, you know, we're just trying to be just like another friend for them, right? We can be that best friend um, who's just virtually there for them. I really appreciate seeing some of these things um written out, of course, spoken by you here, but also written out uh, in a broader sense through the uh, Lalo promise. And this is something that is obviously visible on, on your site, something that you you probably wrote, <laughs> um, maybe fully or in, in cohorts with uh, your co-founder, Michael. That commitment to education, honesty, and quality, you just tell you what you need to know straight. Um, I'm guessing that another big pillar of authenticity for you then are the partnerships that you have with folks who are committed to similar qualities like baby quest. Now baby quest, other than sounding like an awesome medieval movie for infants is a great cause. And I'd love to hear more about it from you. Sure. So, so baby quest, uh, helps, you know, families who can afford infertility treatments, the opportunity, uh, to receive some of these treatments, some of some of which and most some are not covered by insurance and can be very, very expensive. Um, when I had started talking to my co-founder, Michael, about the idea that ended up turning into Lalo, um, him and his wife were just married at the time and had just started trying for trying to have a child. Uh, fast forward, you know, it took them 
you know, about two and a half years after trialing with different types of infertility treatments to finally get pregnant. But it's been so ingrained within our DNA, um, this concept that like everyone should be afforded the opportunity to have a family. In fact, the hippo, which is part of our you know logo at Lalo, um, the hippo is actually the ancient ancient Egyptian sign of infertility. Um, and Lalo itself, which most people don't know, stands for love all little ones. Um, but as we were, you know, starting, starting the business, we wanted to make sure that we were contributing something that was so ingrained with our values and actually share an experience that my co-founder and his wife had. Um, so we partnered with BabyQuest uh, to give 1% of our sales uh, in 2019 to help families who couldn't afford uh, fertility treatments. And actually, uh, we were part of a grant. Yeah, this fertility grant, I think, is so great. Not only then are you helping those who are new parents with different products along the way that they are going to need, um, you know, whether they like it or not, you're going to need the stroller, you're going to need the chair. I'm yep. seeing a play kit here, which I want to learn about. Sounds like probably what's uh, the new on the block for you, uh, but also for those who are struggling to start that journey to be there and hold their hand as well, acting exactly. again as the brand that is the best friend for, uh, for the mom and dad to be. I got to then turn here uh, to to what is next, because you seem to have developed in a number of ways, both in your social investments as well as the product portfolio. So where do you go from here? Yeah. So, you know, as I mentioned, we are we're really focused on continuing down the milestones that the children as well as the parents are going through uh, and supporting them. So um, I don't want to share too much yet. Um, but we are really, we're really, really focused and excited about kind of like what the future looks like, the products that we can fill, you know, I, the only hint I'll give, right. Is like, we do have these three awesome kind of like pillars right now in our products, which is on the go feeding and play. And we're looking to both contribute more to those categories as well as expand out into some others. So I guess we'll just have to lie and wait you, for the next thing that you have going on. You but will. Okay. And we'll all look forward to that. And, and maybe these things will become necessary as the uh, children of the customers grow up. But while definitely we wait, a possibility. definitely a possibility. Good. Okay. Well, in light of all of this, I want to round out with, uh, with some advice, which probably we don't have to lie and wait for at all. Because this idea uh, that, uh, you know, formally has been launched since the beginning of 19, but has been in uh, in design for longer than that, is now something which serves as an all-encompassing, and I love this idea of a brand wanting to be the best friend. In my opinion, it's kind of it's kind of hard to, to, to visualize that. Like, I almost eye roll a lot when I hear that kind of thing, but... Yeah, listen, I, I, and I just, you know, I totally agree, right? It's kind of like, how are, how are we your best friend? And, and I think it's not about actually being that customer's best friend, but it's acting as if you could be, you could, you're open to understanding, you're open to communicating, um, you're actually there for them as a customer. It's not necessarily about being the best friend, but taking the definition of, to most people, what does it mean to be a best friend? And to authentically communicate that through your brand and the experience they have through purchasing the product, talking with customer experience, uh, interacting on social. That's, I think, what we mean when we talk about, you know, we want to be there for you and act as someone who could 
and someone who could be there for you and be that best friend. Um, it doesn't actually mean we have to be like, we are your best friend. I think like you mentioned, right? That's a huge stretch, right? Like best friends you've known your entire life, you know, for 20 years, you might have just met us, but we want to act as if you know us in the, in as most transparent and honest way. Right. Exactly. Okay. That that's helpful because, um, it's good to know that you get it <laughs> from that perspective. Like it's, uh, not always easy to personify a best friend when at the end of the day, you're a business that's looking to, uh, make revenue, but I understand where you're coming from. And instead of then asking advice for how to become a best friend of a customer, uh, instead, let me ask you for your advice on how a prospective founder or brand builder can be carving out their own avenues to authenticity. You have clearly done it through a couple of things, through following customer journeys and not just by matching their demos and going to properties where they are and investing in those properties, but literally following the lives of those who you benefit. You've clearly done it through social investments to help those who are not yet on your brand's journey of consumption get there through a fertility fund, which I think is a really amazing thing. And um, that, it seems, hasn't been overnight, but it hasn't taken too long to come up with that. It leads me to believe that it may not be uh, the most daunting task in the world to find these avenues. And while not everybody in the world is part of a baby brand, they certainly ask this general question. So I want to learn from you as we round out today, what advice might you give to those folks or what exercises might they go through? What actions might they take to learn some of the ways in which they may operationalize the authenticity they seek to reflect? So I I think it's a totally fair question. And as my co-founder and I were looking to build this brand, no, we saw too many brands that we felt were not actually saying this brand is for everyone. And when I say everyone, that's not for, that's not just for the coast. It's not just for Chicago. It's like truly building a brand where anyone from any place within, you know, wherever you're building your, could be Europe, US, wherever, where everyone can potentially purchase your product. And for us, right, obviously, like, listen, our products are not the cheapest. They're not the least expensive. However, what we do find is that we are providing the most amount of value. And today, right, it's not, it's about people attaching themselves to brands that what we felt was going above and that people felt were going above and beyond for them. And it wasn't just about one demographic or looking a certain way or feeling a certain way. It was about this brand could be for, for everyone. Um, and that there is mass appeal behind it. So you know, I, you know, to answer you know, your question, I just see so many, what, what I feel, so many brands were just targeting one little sector. Um, and they're either making it really expensive or really cheap. Like I think people's, people's goals, or if you're a new founder, you know, your goal is should be everyone wants to buy this. There's not just like one certain demographic who has access to it. Everyone should, poss- should possibly have access to it. Um, I think that's been the, like the most important thing for us. So I, to you, the listener would give, uh, this advice, um, would be to, you know, think thoughtfully about why, why you're in the market and don't be apologetic for not being the most, uh, or the least 
in any given quality. You don't need to apologize for any of that as long as you are providing the, the adequate value that you seek to bring and have a reason right. for it that will come through and it will, no matter what consumers say, it will be authentic to your story and to your offering. Um, so with all of this, essentially what I think I've done, Seamus, you better still be listening to this, is giving you a good damn reason to go and do some business here with Greg. But for listeners uh, who are expecting or may become expecting, I don't normally do this little plug thing, but Greg, why don't you tell us where we can find Lalo on the internet? It's meetlalo.com. That's M-E-E-T-L-A-L-O.com. Greg, I really appreciate you coming on. Tell me a little bit of the story today. Tell me the stories that you've had and also the advice there at the end was really great. I, uh, I look forward to being a potential future customer one day soon. But thanks very much for now for joining me. Yep, you too, man. Talk to you soon. Greg is definitely someone I'll keep in touch with for sure as I begin to family plan, which might be a little while from now, but I know where I'll go once I do. Thanks, Greg, and thanks to you, the listener, for tuning into our podcast today. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review, especially on Apple, but anywhere you listen to podcasts. And you can also find me elsewhere on social, LinkedIn at Authentic Avenue or just Adam Connor. I'm also on TikTok at Authentic Adam, doing a couple different things there. And of course, I'm available via email all the time. Adam at AuthenticAvenueMedia.com. Say hello, recommend a guest, tell me what you're thinking of the show, or tell me if you should have your own podcast. Maybe I'll talk to you about that. This has been your host, Adam Connor, saying until I get real again with you, thanks for taking a walk with me down Authentic Avenue.